The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Road and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Oh, we got that on recording. Welcome into Kicking It. I am Jeff Woody, back from a little hiatus. I mean, as well, I mean, good reason. Because uh, she's she's a very cute little reason as to why we're why I was gone. So we are in the Wild Rose Casino and Resort Studios here. Uh, Kicking It is brought to you by Kelderman Manufacturing. Uh, I think if you haven't heard about Kelderman Manufacturing, Google it. Laser great, cutting, laser, laser cutting, great season. services, uh, pretty much anything you're going to need to get done on a large machinery scale, Calderman's going to be able to do. Um, so with that, kind of getting into it, um, I appreciate kind of you guys filling in for having been gone. So for those, I think you guys probably said it. So my daughter was born the su- the Sunday before Thanksgiving and uh, everybody's healthy. We're all doing well. She's sleeping most of the way through like three, three hour chunks. And, you know, she really only fusses when she has to like fart or when she's hungry. And that's, you know, as all of us do. Um, but I had like a couple PSAs just while I was going, just like things to notice or just things, whether it's thank yous or whatever. So the first one is um, thank you to the nursing staff and the care team that we had. So for my wife, we, we, the, or the baby was growing a little bit small, like on the healthy side of small, but we had a scheduled induction, uh, which would have been Sunday night at seven 30. We essentially it's check into the hotel or hotel the hospital and say, all right, well, let's get the process kicked off. And we get in there and they take a blood pressure at seven 30, seven 45. And it's way too high, which for those that have been around pregnancy and delivery, that should already ring a, like a pretty negative bell. Uh, and, then they check the equipment. There's like, this can't be right. Did it again. Uh, and they very quickly determined that my wife had a pretty, uh, pretty severe case of preeclampsia. And the, had that not gone treated correctly, then there's a chance that she could have had a seizure, which th- there is very few things that are more stressful than becoming a parent. And there's very few things more stressful than watching your loved one go through the potential saying of, if we don't get this kid out of you now, there's a chance that you have a seizure. Uh, so we checked into the hospital at seven 30 and 11 22, my daughter was taken out via C-section because they had to get the process going. So it was literally three hours from time we got to the hospital to the time they said, go. Then she was on medication afterwards to make sure you she monitored the blood pressure. And through all of this, the nursing team. So we went to mercy downtown and just as a shout out, there's the Dr. Shookman. She was fantastic. I used to be an OBGYN sales. Awesome surgeon. So Dr. Shookman was the one that was the one that delivered uh, our daughter. And then the nursing team, Hannah and Shannon that were up on the uh, OB floor and then down on the mother baby floor, Katie, Kelly, the uh, Libby, the whole crew. I mean, the amount of stress taken off of that situation based on how good the care team was, I can, I, I cannot thank that group enough just because it was super stressful at the time, but that as soon as they got, we got through the process, we were discharged I had to stay an extra day to make sure everything was good. We discharged on Thanksgiving, got to go home, healthy daughter, healthy mom, went in for checkups. Everybody's all good. So like that process has been smoothed out. So like, thank you to the entire care team. And so that PSA number one is thank your nurses and doctors because they, they don't get enough freaking credit for doing what they do. Uh, and secondly is as far as like blood, blood pressure, preeclampsia, like don't feel bad asking your doctors if you are like, is this normal? be the annoying person that asks your doctors because you haven't probably had a kid. And if you've had a kid before, you probably haven't had a ton of kids. Maybe you've had four, like that's a lot of kids in today's America and four times to do something ever in your entire life is not a large sample size, but your doctors and nurses that are on the other side of the care team, they do that dozens of times a day. So don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, again, we, we got diag- stuff got diagnosed and picked up early enough. So like PSA don't, be afraid to ask questions. Uh, and the other PSA, so having gone through all that and you're in the hospital and the, uh, your, your daughter, they're bringing your daughter in cause she has to eat every two and a half hours. And I'm not going to make Aaron just stay up by herself and say like, all right, good luck feeding this kid. I'm going to sleep. So 
I was up in, you know, every two hours or so, two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, you get to hang out with your daughter and talk with your wife and all those kinds of things are great. Um, and I normally am not on social media, like, but I'll check it like once or twice a day, just take a poop, log in, whatever. I don't have the app on my phone, but I had it like, uh, Twitter specifically, uh, Facebook too. Um, I don't have either one on my phone. So I just log into the browser. Well, you have the, the process of like, it's hang out with your daughter and your wife, go to sleep, read a book, hang out with your daughter and wife, go to sleep for like a week. Despite the fact that it is one of the most stressful instances of all time, my mental health is better from being forced to be off of social media. I've tried to do being off social media for a long time. So in order how to, to get off of this and more entirely of being like, you know, uh, I'll delete the app. Well, then you log in from your browser is deleted the app itself, but both Facebook and Twitter, then deleted the keychain password code from your Apple or whatever, Google, and then log out. And when you do that, you have to have so many more steps to get in. You realize how much of an addiction social media is. So like, it's sort of like putting the cookies on top of the fridge where you then have to get up there and then you have to get a chair out and you realize in the process of getting that chair, out, you're like, shit, I'm, it's not worth this it. This is not worth it. And the more you recognize that you open this thing sort of by reaction. So like all of these things, I can tell you, especially during transfer port, transfer portal season, and there's basketball season and uh, the end of football and all this kinds of stuff. Your life will be better if you just get off of socials. And you might be even watching a video on this or like listening to this on a social media site. And Chris ain't probably going to love this, but like, I, I'm telling you, delete and get off of a social media for just two weeks. Give yourself a, a sense. Do I like this or am I addicted to this? And that is the other PSA is just being forced to be off of it for two weeks. God bless it. It is much better to be off of it completely. So anyway, those are the things. So thank you guys for filling in. Thank you to the care team. Don't be afraid to ask your OBs and your nurses questions and just get off social media and your life is going to be better. So Grant, how's it going, buddy? Hey man, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? Stealing the first 16 minutes of the show. I missed so much Iowa State stuff. Yeah, you did. Uh, the first show that we recorded when Aiden was back home, uh, we recorded virtually and it sounded like I was recording from a potato. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you didn't miss much there. And then, you know, last week, yeah, Aiden, I, I feel like we were kind of catching our groove and then you came back in and kind of disrupting everything. Yeah, but sorry. No, it's good yeah, to have you back. What the hell, man? Yeah, sorry, man. Good Just to have you back. Didn't mean to throw off the vibe. No, uh, happy I, to have you back. I did have to bring my Liberty Bowl uh, windbreaker in. This is uh, Kenneth Popes, who's a running back coach. If you're had. just listening right now, Jeff is holding up a diaper. Just bringing a diaper from home. Uh, but uh, when the, the offensive staff got let go, Coach Pope was like, I don't need all this Iowa State stuff. You want my jacket and some <laughs> Tic Tacs? <laughs> he always carried around orange Tic Tacs in his pocket. Always. You could tell where Coach Pope was because you could just hear him. You'd throw him in. He'd go through. I bet he went through a pack at practice. Or a little, a little orange ones are progress. the best ones, though. They are. They taste like candy. Yeah. Um, well, That's what they are. But yeah, it's uh, Kenny Pope's Liberty Bowl, Jack, because we're going back to Liberty Bowl for the, first, or for the third time in, what, 11 years. Um, but we missed the Kansas State game. That was fun. I mean, to watch. That oh, was, that was a great game. That, I mean, we're not going to talk about that too much just because no, we do. Game. We're going to get to Nate Schuster talking Iowa State basketball because Iowa State and Iowa play later this week. Uh, and, you know, but that was the most absurd game I have ever watched in my life. I was going to text you guys, too, before the game started. I had no idea that Sanders and Norton had essentially left the team at that point. For some reason, I just had I just had an idea. I just I just had the, uh, uh, a hankering, a thought that... It's going to be an Abu Sama game. And then, boom, first play of the game <laughs> takes off. And, what in the world? And during that first, okay, so we've seen enough of like Brees Hall and David Montgomery and even Mike Warren when he had that, like that his freshman year and I think the next year, they were just, the team was really bad. Like we've seen enough games that start off with this big home run shot because against TCU, against West Virginia, I think maybe once, um, just this big home run shot right out of the gate. And you're like, all right, cool. We've seen this party before. And then it just happens once. And then the rest of the game kind of goes on. Defense figures it out. And then it happens again. And we're like, maybe this is a little bit different. And then it happens again. And you're like, what in the hell is happening? Like five total times in the game. Again. Like, where is the defense at all? Like, are we not going to figure out? Like, I understand. It's one of those, like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Defense is hard to play in the snow. As an offensive player, I know where we're going. You, as a defensive player, don't know where I'm going. You have to react. And reacting on unstable footing is a lot harder than reacting on stable footing. So maybe, though, we change it up a little bit <laughs> on defense to, I don't know, not allow for 70-yard touchdowns? 
maybe run your feet too and you try to tackle and not just flop in the snow. Yeah, true. That's also or a just thing. you know boost guys forward. Appreciate that, it. The uh, the the Mario Kart red mushroom that that guy gave uh, Abu. Um, also, I don't know, Aiden. Have you has there been anyone that's done a miles per hour on Jalen Noel on that bubble touchdown on the sideline? Because that feels like I mean it might have just been camera work in in the stadium, but that might have been the fastest Iowa State player I've seen in a long time. Well, we talked Other about Brees, Brees running straight line speed, Kane running straight line speed, and that. Like, those are the three things that, like, come to mind. Is like, holy shit, that dude's running. So well, I haven't seen whether anyone did the actual miles per hour, but I think he looked so much quicker because he found the only path of grass on the field <laughs> while everyone else was running in snow, which was so basically just mud. separating from yeah. everybody. That was wildly fast, but I don't know. That was That was fun. Yeah, no, it was a great game. <clears throat> great game to watch. Um, you know, I, I I don't go to the bars ever, but I had a buddy in town. He was like, hey, come out to Wellman's and watch it. I was like, all right, cool. Get there. I was like, what is going on? This is fantastic. <laughs> um, I want to talk with you, Jeff, about uh, college football playoffs a little bit. Yeah. Um, you you uh, are... Did I, did I not have it pegged? Like, you did. going into Championship Saturday, what was going to happen? You, you did, but what are your thoughts? Are you are you in favor of... Alabama again in or Florida State, or are you pro Florida State? All right, Grant, get the ducks ready here. So, the college football playoff, the reason why it's going to 12 teams is because this is an untenable situation. You've got four teams that arguably in any year, there's somewhere between three and eight teams that are deserving of a championship. This right? year, I'd say, say there's probably seven at least. Seven or eight that are going to be deserving of a championship. And you can, you limit that down to four. Now, when it was just two, there is a you you get mad if you're the third, but the fourth, fifth, and sixth teams don't really care, even though they might have a, a legitimate gripe. But you sort of expect that if you're a, a you know a, a team like you know fill in the blank, some team that's not Georgia, that you're not really going to be in consideration for the national championship. Back in like 1981, when they're just like a bunch of writers just like, oh, this is the national champion. They just select because that's how it used to be done. Like for those that only grew up in the BCS era, literally the national championship used to be decided upon based on writers and coaches writing on a piece of paper being like, these are the national champions. Here you go. Looks good. Looks good. Count it. Like that's it. And then the BCS came around and we said, oh, Computers are going to tell us which ones are the best. And then there's just top two and it was, you know, kind of shitty. But this this currently it's the it's a similar permutation of the exact same thing that there are four spots for anywhere between three and eight teams that are going to be, you know, deserving of it. Last year, there wasn't really, uh, you know, there wasn't five teams. That's why Ohio State losing could sneak their way in because there were dominant teams across the board in a couple spots and not in others. So this year, because there were seven, eight teams, someone's going to get fucked. Like it is an unarguable amount. Somebody's going to get fucked because Alabama, do they have a legitimate, uh, they won every game since the Texas game. And even though they had to kind of pull it out of their butt against Auburn and they, the dude says fuck. And then says, but cause you can duck, you can duck the duck. Um, but he, they pulled out of their ass. Uh, against Auburn and they had to really escape A&M, but they won every game th- and they ran all the way undefeated through the SEC. Regardless of what you think about the SEC, that's a good record. Georgia did the same thing, but lost to Alabama. They have one loss in the conference, but you have a one loss conference champion. Alabama ran through the SEC. The SEC has been the best conference. Can I gripe just for one second? Grant yeah. gripes. The SEC only plays um, eight it's a horrible conference. Games. Yeah. Eight conference and games. They always, and, and, a, and they have a cupcake in November. So they're going to play like Bethune Cookman. That's my one bitch. Yes, the SEC is a, is, is the best conference. Yes. In co- but play nine 100%. conference games. Yes. And I, that, that I feel like is going to be coming because of how many teams are going to be in the conference. You're, you're never going to get matchups uh, when you bring in Texas, Oklahoma. And, and now you've got all these, all these teams. I feel like they're going to have to switch to a nine game schedule, which yes, that is a problem. But anyway, you look at teams like LSU, Georgia, Alabama, the, the, the top of the sec has been the best. So you can't exclude the top of the sec unless maybe you do, but you have one loss, Georgia, one loss, Texas who beat, or excuse me, one loss, Alabama. You have one loss, Texas who beat Alabama and you have undefeated conference champion, Florida state undefeated conference champion, Washington undefeated conference champion, Michigan. All five of those teams have a legitimate argument that they should be in the college football playoff. You even talk about Florida state and even, and Florida state, all five of them have a, an argument that they should be in the playoffs. So you're going to fuck somebody who are you going to fuck? Like, that's really the question. And it doesn't really, when you go to decide who you're going to leave out, I think what they are determining and like, I'm, I'm begrudgingly okay with it is really the way that I would say it. Because, uh, if 
those five teams in their current constitution played a round robin tournament, does Florida State finish anywhere other than last? Because if Jordan Travis is there, maybe, but he's got a broken leg and is going to be missing. And now that doesn't mean like, oh, if the quarter starting quarterback, if JJ McCarthy's out from Michigan, does that the same thing? Maybe, but that's not the current case. So like it does suck, but you're going to be screwing somebody. What if it was me? I probably leave Alabama out, but then you leave the SEC out, which is again, objectively over the last 20 years, they've won more championships than every other conference and it's not close. So how do you then leave the SEC out? And if, and so really it was, there was two possible options that were going to exist. Texas, once Georgia lost and Alabama won the SEC, Texas was in pretty much guaranteed because you're never going to put Alabama in over Texas when Texas beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. So Option one was going to be what they went with, which is Michigan one, Washington two, Texas three, Alabama four. That was option one. Option two then is Michigan one, Washington two, Florida state three, Texas four. So you're going to Alabama or you're going to Florida state. Really, which one are you going to screw over? And that's the, the question. So like it would suck either way, like for the for the the legitimacy of the sport and saying like, are is the best team the champion? You don't know that because Florida State's out. But in the same light, you wouldn't know that if Alabama was out because Alabama might win the whole thing. So it that's like the playoff going to 12 teams is going to be substantially better because you include all of the six to eight teams that have a legitimate shot and then some outliers. Like it's going to be different. Team 60 or what is it? 69 in the NCAA tournament that nice. doesn't get in. They have much less of a, a bitch than a team that like is than Florida State in the college football playoff. So yes, it is... It is, it sucks, but like it moving the tournament or moving the playoff up to 12 teams includes the three to eight teams in any given year who have a, who legitimately have a shot. And then you throw in some 2004 Boise States and some 2008 Utah's 2023 Liberty Liberty. I think they're going to get hammered by Oregon, Oregon, but you still have those teams that are going to be in there and they have a shot. So uh, to me, it sucks, but I'm like begrudgingly okay with it because if you look at the alternative, it also sucks. So the committee was in an impossible position to choose one or the other. Yeah, and they they had to, you know they they couldn't exclude the SEC um, one because like I said the SEC is the best conference, but two viewership would go down if Florida State was in there going against Michigan. And you know? and honestly, like think about it this way: so let's say they go with option B and they go Texas or Florida State three and Texas four, and that would mean Washington, Florida State. And so Florida State is going to be. I playing. think both those teams are. I mean, Washington is actually pretty good. Like I I think. But are they better than Georgia? Probably not. But when you look at it, the, the, there's five teams that are deserving of it because of they prioritize conference champions. Uh, you, Ohio State and Georgia were not conference champions, so they don't have the deserving. So now you, once you once we're all equal, like equivalently deserving of the, the conversation, then we have a concept or conversation on merit versus if I'm not deserving, I don't get in that conversation. It's why Ohio State and Georgia didn't get considered for these top five because they weren't in the deserving category to even be objectively or subjectively measured once they're actually in there. Um, but it's a, I don't know, it's it's a stick, it's a thing they were going to get screwed either way. But I've got a hypothetical for you. So the, the committee knew what they were doing, putting <laughs> Florida State versus Georgia. So then presumably Georgia's going to win. Be like, see, they didn't deserve to be in there anyways. What if Florida State does win? Florida State's 14-0. Yeah, and, I mean, it, it, it sucks. It does and, suck. And, and say, say, you know, say Texas wins. Texas has one loss. And and if Florida State is the only unbeaten team in all of college football, well, I mean, what if Liberty beats Oregon? Then Liberty's an undefeated team. There you go. So like UCF Liberty's undefeated. So like that's the the thing is, is that you know a couple of years ago UCF had that undefeated season and Liberty has an undefeated season and Florida State has an undefeated season. They're obviously different because the ACC and you know whatever the CUSA or whatever conference you know, the American conference, they're different in that quality is objectively higher in these bigger conferences, as we've seen by every school that's moved up, like the four teams that moved into the big 12, BYU is the best one and they won three games and, or excuse me, UCF won three games. And they, is, is the ACC deserving of getting a team in? Should be, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's also not the big 12 or the big 10 as far as depth of conference. So like, I don't know. It is one of those things that like you'd have a legitimate bitch either way, whether Georgia, Alabama gets left out or whether Florida state gets left out. And you know, I, do I expect 
Florida State to win against Georgia? Not really. But what if Georgia has like 65 opt-outs? You know, like yes, the sir. whole defense is probably going to get drafted the NFL. Brock Bowers is going to get drafted. So like I w- if I'm Brock Bowers, I don't care. I'm not going to play. Because what happens when you go to block somebody and a running back rolls up on your ankle, you snap your ankle, can't do pro day, and you go from being the seventh overall pick to being the 27th overall pick, that's like $20 million that you miss out on. Like, pay me $20 million not to play a bowl game. All right, I'll pass. The only thing I would say, too, is that the SEC, because they only play eight conference games, the conference as a whole, their best non-conference victory was against Louisville, who Florida State just beat, and Florida State's best non-conference win was against LSU, yeah. who was one of the better teams in the... Well, I guess they're not better teams, but they're historically yeah, they're the one of the better half. teams. Yeah, yeah, top half of the, of the of SEC. The yeah, and it's, it, is, it does suck. You know, there's no right answer to which one do you pick. And I, you could make the argument that Florida State should be in. And if, it was, if I had my druthers, I'd do that just because they're undefeated. They're a Power 5 champion. And, you know, the little guys, air quotes, Florida State's not a little guy. They're one of the biggest brands in the country. But the air quotes, little guys that are non-SEC Big Ten, you know, you want to give them a shot to actually win. Uh, but also, did you watch that Louisville Florida State game? Off and on, awful. I, I was. It was at the same time as the Iowa Michigan game. Yeah, and, and you I were was, just saying too much Schadenfreude. Say it again. Too much Schadenfreude. What the hell does that mean? Aiden, what's Schadenfreude? No idea. Really? You guys, Jacqueline, do you know what Schadenfreude is? Is that Aiden. English? So it's a German word, which means joy in others, someone else's suffering. That's what Schadenfreude is. Not necessarily, man. I got friends who are Michigan fans. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Shout out Kyle Duggan. Oh, that's funny. Um, but the Florida State Louisville game, I think Florida State had 200 yards of offense and 70 of that came on one wildcat run. Now, granted, they had the third string quarterback in, but their defense was solid, but they had 200 yards of offense and 11 first downs in a game against Louisville who is fine. They're a fine team, but they were giving up 30, 20 or 30 a game for their last four or five games. Their defense wasn't that great. Their just offense was so bad. So if you take that Florida State team in its current constitution and put them up against Alabama, Texas, Washington, or uh, uh, brain fart, other one, Michigan, Michigan, uh, you t- against those other four teams, those other teams win by 21 yeah and my, my wife is she's not big into sports but she is extremely smart and she's like why only four teams like, right. like well, like, well we're, we're going next year so she goes why don't they do like what college basketball does i go well it's funny you say it because like you and i's conference you know their their division they do that right and i i think that is you know I, I had to explain to her that football is a much more physical grueling you know game than than basketball so you can play you know 30 games in a basketball season and be fine whereas football you you know, yeah, in the NFL, you're pay, you know playing 18 games, but at college, that's 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 tough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, she makes a good point. You know, I'm glad they're expanding to 12. But yeah. do they stop at 12? I don't know. I think it, it, unless they either stop at 12 and, and, keep, and if they, and keep, if they, they stop it, at 12 and keep the Bulls, or they expand to like, like I think there's six, 30. Was it 24? I think 24 in the FCS playoffs. And so like they, they, either get, that get and then get away with the bowl games, there's, there's I don't way, think that they're going to do. There's way too many bowl games, but I think too, if they do expand it to, you know, 24, expand it past 12, say they do get to 24, 32. I think you shorten down the regular, regular season, right? Only do one, do one or two conference games or uh, non-conference and then do the rest conference. Right. Which then, would uh, to me would be kind of fun, but then you guarantee you don't get, you're not as many guaranteed options, which then loses the amount of revenue that a university can plan on. Cause you're not going to have six or seven home games every year. So like, I don't think, I think 12 feels like the, where they're probably going to stop at least in this current iteration of college football until they go like all power five just picks up and leaves and they go do it, whatever they're going to do. Um, and the reason I, th- I think once you get to 12, like I was saying, there's, a, oh, there's only ever between like three and eight teams that are going to be up for it. So then you have another four. So like right now, it w- Oklahoma might be irritated that they don't get in, but I think they're 13, but like Oklahoma doesn't deserve to be like, you, you don't, they don't have a legitimate gripe to be able to say we would win a national championship if we got in there versus Florida state has a legitimate gripe. And so once you get to 12 and, 13, and even Liberty, yeah, Liberty's not as good as Oklahoma, but they but want they, to yeah. it. They, they deserve it. Exactly. Get, get a shot. You know, the, the Boise state, Oklahoma, that 2004, three, 2003, 2004. Anyway, yeah. um, that, that give that a shot and see if it happens. So you have the five conference champions automatically in the other teams, like your Ohio states, your Georgia's that are one loss teams that, you, you know, and even let's say Texas were to get left out. They lost, they lost on a last second play against Oklahoma in a rivalry game. All right, they get in and give them, give them a shot. And then you get a couple teams like Penn State would get probably worked by whoever they're going to be. So the like the 12, what is it? 12-5 would be the matchup or 12-8. I don't remember who gets a bye, but like that's not going to be a probably super close game. Uh, but, it, you know, it, it, it still gives the teams that have a legitimate 
complaint, all your conference champions plus your like undefeated at larges, then your Ohio States, your Georgias that have a, you know, they're they're gonna get their shot. And then a few people that probably don't deserve to be there, but it, it then uh limits the amount of people that can complain about being in there and then this the schedule sets up. So this is all screaming into the ether until next year. Yeah. So um that's probably enough football talk. I, today, I got though, one unless... more thing on the college football play. Oh, we okay. gotta recognize Here, dude. they don't do very cool things all that often. So I think we need to recognize how cool it is that they're doing first round of a 12 team playoff on campus. Oh, hundred percent. Oh, I don't know. That's that. the that coolest is, part of it all. That is cool. They yeah. need to do that for every playoff game until uh, the national championship. Yeah, I, well, so. I think the, the, I like being, making it uh, once you get advanced, like if you let's, so let's say, so I, again, what can you pull up the bracket? Just cause I don't remember what the, I, I think the top six get buys and then the next it wasn't no, the top five. No, four, top four. Top, well, who are the top top, 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 four, top four, four would get buys and the other eight would become the next four. So the top four get by. So five, 12 is going to be the matchup, six, 11, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. If you're a team that's like the ninth team or the 11th team and you had to go on the road and win, give yourself a neutral field that you don't have to then travel to Athens to go play or whatever. So like, I like it being home field the first time, whoever wins that we now get to neutral, neutral field. And it's going to be buzzing, whatever that neutral field is. Like, that's going to be electric once you actually get there. Yeah. So the top four teams get buys. Yeah, top four buys. And then, and then so the remaining eight schools five, on six, campus games. Yeah, five, six, seven, eight get home games. Nine, yep. 10, 11, 12 travel. And you match Correct. five, 12, four, or five, 12, six, 11, seven, you know, 10, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, and then <clears throat> the New Year's Six Bowls just turn into quarterfinal, semifinal, and then I think the national championship is a game on its own. So yeah. it doesn't have a, a sign. Sweet. And I think it's going to get bumped back a week just to give additional time, I think. So I think the New Year's, the national championship is then the second full week in January as opposed to the, it's usually the second Monday in January. I think it's going to push back one more week because I think, unless they start it sooner. I'm trying to look for that. I, I think they, I would imagine they push it back one week. So Aiden, you're telling me that I'll probably never see Iowa win a New Year's Six Bowl ever again in my life? That sucks, man. Fuck Iowa. Ducks. All right. Well, we got a, we we got basketball. I we got Cyhawk. Yeah, week. we do. We do. We got Cyhawk this week. We're gonna bring in Nate Schuster to talk some hoops. Um, this will be a Goldfinch Athletics interview of the week. Yeah, Goldfinch Athletics. If uh if if you're in in December, if you're looking to get in shape for January, we're in a special in December. You're gonna get two weeks free if you want to come into one of the facilities. Uh, so if you're interested, GoldfinchAthletics.com. Click on the Adult Fitness tab, and uh, whether you want to go in Huxley or whether you want to go to Ankeny, if you're around the area. More than welcome to come in. So, Goldfinch Athletics interview with Nate Schuster. And now we welcome in the Nate Schuster to talk some hoops. The? Are you like, this is a the Ohio State situation? Yes. Okay. There are multiple yeah. Nate Schusters out there. We need the crowd to know that this is uh, statistically, percentage-wise, the greatest. Maybe. Greatest three-point shooter in, in Iowa State basketball history. Yes. The, the one, one you want to talk to. Um, yes. Speaking Most of uh, three-point shooting, uh, so against DePaul, Iowa State kind of figured that out. So this also, I mean, we talked about this in the first half of the show, but like it's my first time in a while. So we haven't, I mean, first time, long time. Uh, but Iowa State's three-point shooting when they were down in Orlando, shoddy. Outside of Milan was a little shoddy. And it was better against DePaul, especially guys like Kurt and uh, and, and um, Keyshawn. They had better three-point shooting performances. It To me, it feels like shooting threes especially if they're in rhythm, which several of them in Orlando were like in rhythm. They just bricked them is sort of like a golf swing in that it's mostly in your head. Is that how are we, are we, are you expecting the rest of the season to be more like the DePaul game or more like the Orlando, or is it somewhere just going to flip back and forth between the two? Rub your crystal ball for us, if you will. Well, I really don't hope it's like Orlando. Cause I mean, we're looking at 26%, 24%. We're making four or five threes a game. That's not very good. If I'm going to, I mean, DePaul's not a very good team, so it's hard for me to say, like, yeah, we're going to shoot 40% from three plus every game. What I would expect is, you know, if we're going to be the team that I think we're capable of being, we're looking at somewhere in the 36%, maybe you make eight, nine threes a game. I'd be really happy with that. From a golf swing perspective, I just think that they were a little bit more in rhythm. DePaul's a little bit slower in their defensive rotations. Jiggy had a lot of screens where the defender would go under and he would be wide open for three. Sorry, I've never done this before. Oh, it's your first time in studio? Yeah, first time. Oh, my God. 
is a pop and a cherry. Congratulations, buddy. Thanks. It's first time in studio. Good job. We made it. We made it. So I, want, I wanted to ask you too. So prior to Iowa State going down to Florida, they had the nation's second easiest schedule. So just beating the shit out of people. Yeah, you lead eight. I still feel that way. Final four. And Orlando happens. And okay, you know, deflating balloon. And then DePaul happens. DePaul, shit team, looked great. Yeah, I mean, if, if we're thinking realistically with this team, they're 13 in the net right now. And if we're looking at it from a seeding standpoint, that puts you at the best four seed. So that's something that they could, I'd be happy with going into this season, knowing that we're having a relatively brand new roster, relatively young guards, and a bunch of unknowns. Now, I still think this team is probably a floor of a Sweet 16. Anything better Rude is eight. great. Yep. Yeah. Floor. I mean, we're right there. Yeah. Hey, we're just got to get above that floor. But realistically, I mean, yeah, does the non-conference this year stink? You don't need me to tell you that it does. But what they're doing is they're winning. They're scoring 90-plus points per game in these wins. They're not giving up a ton of points. Yeah, you give up 80 to DePaul, but realistically, it's a road game, so it's a little harder to play defense on the road. I think they're in a good spot right now. Really, it comes down to we need to beat Iowa this week because this is our last chance at a non-con one quad one win okay so one other thing just thinking like basketball this is from whenever when i was doing shows with jared and jared actually like played basketball you played basketball so this is me like talking outside in uh one of the things that it feels like looking at this team specifically there's two things that need to get sort of i would say not i don't want to say like addressed and like free throw shooting notwithstanding because that is i it, it wasn't good in orlando but that's something that I, I let me take a side diatribe. Let me get to those two other points in a second. I'm going to talk about free throws just one little bit. I want to too because it's um, I do as well. Grand scrapes. Grand scrapes. Okay, how can someone be bad at free throws? Like how how can someone be? I guess that was kind like, of my gripe. The line has not moved since you picked up a basketball. Like fifty. To, I, I understand that there's sometimes pressure that like you have to shoot with, but at the same time, like it's the same shot. It's the only shot. It's really one of the only things in like organized sports. That's exactly the same every single time. No putt is the same in golf. No pass is the same in football. No field goals, the same, even extra points. Like the wind conditions are different. So snap the hole, the snap placement. the hole. It's different. So like, there's nothing to go from the two yard line to the 15 and the pros. And so like, there's, there's nothing that's exactly the same in sport except free throws. How can someone be less than 70% in free throws? Like, is it in, is someone in their, in their own head? Follow up question before you answer that question. When you like, when, if someone's a, like a tall shooter, like I kind of understand how a tall shooter would be worse at it because like the physics of it is if you're releasing it at eight feet because you're tall and your arms are up above your head, that like shrinks the circle because it's sort of turning the circle sideways a little bit. So it shrinks the circle. The greatest free throw shooter in the history of basketball is Rick Barry, who shot granny style. Why do, and I mean this in all seriousness, is any other reason other than hubris to not shoot granny style if you're going to shoot 60% from the free throw line? I think it's all pride myself. I mean, I don't think you'd, it's, it, you're going to tell a coach going to tell a seven footer, Hey, I'm going to go, you know, you're, you're making 40% from the free throw line. Deandre Jordan. Yeah. Okay. Guy is a Greek God of physique near Tom. Yeah. Time for you to shoot granny style. He's never going to do that. These guys have too much pride to do that. I mean, to me, if I'm, if I'm playing, and this might just be the pragmatist in me, but like if I was playing basketball and I was shooting 40% from the free, free throw line, what's more embarrassing is bricking three in a row than oh, yeah. shooting granny style. Cause if I make one out of three granny style, but I brick three in a row conventionally, I at least made one out of three and I'm we're, our team's not going to go home losing because I'm too proud to do it. So this is complete side diatribe. I don't want anybody like jumping down my throat for saying like teams to Eric, just it, any, any basketball player. Why is Granny Style gone when the most efficient free throw shooter in the history of the game shot Granny Style? So uh, Canyon Barry actually still shoots Granny Style. That's is, his son. Is right? he still grandson? Uh, I don't know. I know he was playing for the Iowa Wolves. I'm trying to look up his stats right now. I'm, I don't know if he's still playing. That's um, his grandson or son. Either way, it's the, it, it, within the lineage yeah. of Rick Barry. Anyway, yeah. continue. Yeah, I mean, realistically, if you are shooting free throws, it's it's all in your head. Okay. I'm not one to talk. I'm over two in my entire career. <laughs> two bricks. It was my so first. statistically the best three pointer and statistically the worst free throw shooter, free throw shooter in Iowa State history. Which is kind of funny this year because I would say that Jiggy's the best three point shooter on the team, but he has one of the worst percentages on the team. He's shooting up, you know, thirty plus percent from three 
which after Orlando was a little shocking because of how bad they played down there. But he's also shooting like 61% from the free throw line. So for me as a, as a guard, it really comes down to how is your conditioning? How is your mental fortitude? You got to, this needs to, they're free. It's in the name free. Clear your head. Take a few deep breaths. You have 10 seconds for a reason. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're under six foot five, there's really no excuse to not go two for two. Yeah. And every time. This is so it reminds me, it's a little bit baseball y, which is like one of the reasons why I really like just personally. I've played a bunch of sports. Uh I think it's there's a huge advantage in playing a bunch of other sports. This is a real baseball thing. Um, because baseball y, you can it's not you know, you're not hitting off a tee. So like a pitcher's gonna throw and like you have to respond to the pitcher. And you could be made to look like an idiot and like swing out of your shoes or miss, or there's one right down the middle you should have swung at, and you have to forget it and you move on to the next one. So you'll see like the pitch clock changed it a little bit, like shorten the routines, but you're gonna see a guy in the batter's box every single time, take the same number of like plate taps, same number of waggles. He's gonna look at the bat. Our baseball coach in Southeast Folks won a zillion state championships since he's been there. Uh, is you find a spot on the bat, take a deep breath in, and stare at that spot on the bat. And once you exhale and that bat leaves your line of sight, you're in the moment. That's all you gotta do is right now in the moment. Like it feels like there's just guys eventually, I don't know, to me, it feels like eventually in the same way that the DePaul th- shooting was better. It feels like free throw shooting will probably get better over time because your head's going to be swimming less. But I was just wondering if there's anything other than just in your own brain on free throws. You also have to make, it has to be a routine the same way that those batters will have, you know, I'm going to tap the plate two times and have a little wiggle. Keep it simple at the line. The best free throw shooters aren't the ones that are doing all the crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at the Steph Curry's, the Steve Nash's, the the Dame Lillard's of the world, those guys have all shot career 90 plus free throw percentage. It's really simple. Dame Lillard doesn't even dribble. He spins the ball in his hand and squats and he shoots. It's ridiculous. I could never do that. <laughs> but if if you're one of these Iowa State players, keep it simple. You, you don't have to remember every time. All right, I do. Last time it's four four dribbles and I I spun it this way and I sat and then I shot and then the second one I did a little bit different and it's all superstition in my head. Keep it simple because it it really is. It's it's like a putt in golf. Like mm-hmm. you want to do the same thing every time. Keep it a routine. I there's just too much in their head right now. I feel yeah. like okay. So beyond bring it back to those two points that I said because I'm also notorious for saying two things. Then starting the first thing, never coming back to the second thing. If you guys are listeners, avid listeners, listen for it. I do it all the time. Completely forget about it. Listen back on on replay. Hate myself for it. First anyway, time ever. Noticed it. Uh, I do it all the time. Anyway, so the two things that I was thinking about for this team to kind of reach the potential that it needs to be. The first one is that two out of the four guards between Taman, Keyshawn, Jones, and Pavletsky two of the four guards have to be on in any given game. Uh, And if two of the four are playing well, then there's enough depth in rotation to give them a break between. So let's say like in the DePaul game, I think Keyshot actually played pretty well, but Taman and Pavletsky seemed like they were playing uh, of the group, the two best of the four. But then Keyshawn can be a replacement point guard for Taman when he needs to take a breather because he can't play 40 minutes every game. And then Jones can be a replacement for Keyshawn or, or for Pavletsky. And like you can still, as long as two of the guards are playing well. And then the other thing is that there's got to be a little bit more like against DePaul, Trey King actually was an offensive threat. Having an offensive threat that can exist in the paint because Milan is a tall shooter. Like right now he's playing to me like a three where he's more a shooter that's just taller than everybody that he's going to be shooting against versus Trey is operating like a four or a five, whereas just catch the ball in the low block and I'm going to put my shoulder through your freaking sternum and I'm going to go get a shot. I think guys that Iowa State didn't have in uh, Orlando were obviously Hassan, who Hassan helps because he is so long that you can do you know, do you know when he's coming back. Uh, apparently, I think for conference play. Yeah, probably January. So there's that. And then also kind of the next sort of the elephant in the room is Omaha. And to me, it feels like Omaha is just the game is still really, really fast for him, where he's just not sure where he needs to be offensively or defensively. What do you see when you watch Omaha's game? And is there anything that concerns you? Or is it just like, this is a kid who's 18, who never played, who never had to actually play basketball because he's just a better athlete and then missed all of summer because he was with Team USA? That's what it looks like to me, but I'm, again, outside looking in. Personal thoughts, I think it's more the second option there. I think the game is a little too fast. I think the game's completely different. The college, I've, I've heard multiple times from one NBA scouts and two just 
guys who have been in all three phases of high school, college, and NBA basketball, high school translates a lot better to NBA than college to NBA does. Interesting. Which is, it, and it's mostly because of how... Is it just because it's one-on-one ball kind of-ish? A, a little bit, but you also have to look at the defensive rules. Like, when you're in college, you can have a guy as your defensive help side head under the basket. In the NBA, you can't do that. It's a defensive three-second. Mm. So he's going to have a lot more success, I think, in the NBA because he will be a one-and-done player. Nah, but, shucks. Which, which stinks. I was but, hoping he'd stick around a little bit. Yeah. DJ's like, I, well, I, wonder, I wonder if if his season doesn't pick up the way he, it, it, it potentially could, if a second year, like let's say the last six games of the season in the conference season, he starts to take off. That might be enough to tick it up, but he, I wonder if he also would just look at the, like if getting talking with NBA scouts, they go, hey, you're going to be the, probably, you know, 10th to 20th overall pick. But if you come back and repeat what you did in the last half of the season, you're going to be the second overall pick. I want that. I feel like that's the only way he comes back for another year. But I I think of him as like, he's going to be that Patrick Williams kind of player. The guy who got drafted by the Bulls. He was, he went fourth overall. He was averaging like six points a game. Hmm. So okay. that's what I was going to say. He could just pure on he could develop in yeah. the NBA. I mean, what's, what, what's he going to benefit from sticking on one more yeah. year in, so, in college? Okay. So anyway, with right now, Omaha though, if, if, if I'm Omaha, my goal would be let's play reactionary basketball and not try to create for myself because his best moment this year, in my opinion, was the Grambling game when he's getting and one dunks and he's playing off of others. The, the, those four guards were creating for him because they're getting downhill drives and Omaha's coming in on backdoor cuts from the side in the corner and he's getting dunks. He's in the mix in the middle right by the basket. I think that's what we'd be looking at for him. If, he's, if he gets like eight points, five rebounds in a game, I'd be really happy as a fan. Yeah. So with uh, on defensively, that was sort of the thing that people were like hanging his hat on. You know, here everyone talk about Omaha and like he is the defensive. You know, his defensive intensity is that a because I haven't quite seen that. And again, this is not a knock on the kid. It's literally he was with Team USA up until like the middle of August, right, or early part of August. He didn't get to play with Iowa State. Yeah. He has and this no middle defense. It's not something he has ever done. And te- didn't do it, Team USA. Like that, this specific style of defense and how they rotate and how they switch and who's communicating with what and you know having Rob Jones bark at you from behind where he's supposed to be and then sometimes you got Trey King that's supposed to shit rotate on something and maybe Taman's going to take a you know like all that kind of stuff. Do you see anything defensively that makes you go, oh, I don't know. I mean, or is it just like, hey, just figure, let him give him time to figure it out. I think that just comes with game reps. It's a lot different playing game defense versus practice defense when you know. Hey, I've seen Taman make this play 500 times already because we practice with each other every day. You don't, when you get in a scouting report scenario, let him work it out. I mean, he needs to figure out, hey, if I'm going to close out no middle, I need to make sure that my top hip is going to be higher than the off offense's top hip so I can make sure that I can drive him baseline. I think right now, if he's long and he is the athlete that we all thought that he was, if he just keeps his arm wide, just like this, he's going to be just fine. I had two things I want to ask you too. So, and I know we're peppering you with a lot of questions, but you are a basketball guy here. So get used to it. Here they come. Um, kind of, kind of touching on Omaha, but also kind of touching on the transfers. They've kind of gotten off to a slow start, especially I would, I would say Jiggy. I mean, for, kind of from what, you know, Iowa State was supposed to be expecting from him. Do you think some of it has to do with confidence that, you know, Omaha kind of looks maybe a little confused, a little lost out there at times? Um, you know, Jiggy was supposed to come in as, as you know, this, sniper if you will uh, and hasn't really shot as well as as you know we would have expected him to do you think that's just more confidence or more just like stepping up in competition going from you know the mac to big 12 or like Keyshawn going from the mountain west to which he's i think he's like fine but going from the mountain west to big 12 and obviously omaha going from i don't know what conference walk he's in but iowa high school basketball to the big 12 yeah i think right now Keyshawn's transitioned really well yeah he has his downhill at when he gets going downhill, he's an elite guard. I want to side tangent for a second too. Um, they're not calling like any charges this year. And so what I told a buddy, I was like, I think that because they're not calling charges, I think I would say should be as aggressive as possible to the, hoop, well, the, the, the charge rule. So this is my description of the charge rule. I'm understanding is um, trying to objectively make it more objective. I think is what they're trying to eliminate the, the fussiness of is he in position or not in position is such a great term is basically, are you in a defensible position and static before the last foot leaves the ground for 
the whatever ball carrier for the offensive player. Because if you, even if you jump and the guy's more or less set, but if you jump and he's still sliding, it's going to be a block almost every single time, which helps Iowa State in the offensive end if you're driving. But one of the things, so like uh, last year, I'm having a total brain fart, uh, number Gabe, five. Gabe Kelsey Gabe and also... Coons. Jazz, Jazz Coons. Jazz would take so many charges because he would slide from, he'd be the backside rotation guy. Guy tries to drive baseline, beats whoever the the first defender is. But then Jazz is waiting back there, would slide underneath, take a charge, and all of a sudden you're like, damn, Jazz Coons has zero points, four offensive fouls forced, and, you know, three steals. Like, okay, that's a good line. So it feels like defensively, Iowa State's going to have to get used to that. But like, that to me is the understanding of the block charge change. And that's specific to just this year. Yes. That is brand new. Uh, what Coach Otts told me was they had 94 charges last year, 87 of them this year would be called blocks. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, so that's a big change defensively. All of, all of those jazz. But that, those, of, those are like huge. Like, that was one thing that Iowa State, like, Big stop. Yeah, they're they're the best, best at it. Especially against teams like TCU and Kansas that are like with Mike Miles just downhill. He's going to get to the basket as much as he possibly can. I mean, again, teams incoming that are like Houston, like Houston's got two or three guys that are really good drivers. Like that's, they're going to have to figure out a way to, to play defense. That's uh, not that because they will get a lot of free throws shot against them if they're going to do that. Well, what they're doing this year is, it's it's almost the exact same principle, except instead of taking that charge, they're just trapping that corner action. Mm. So a lot of those charges came from, hey, we're going to funnel all of this offense. We're going to get you into a corner. Then we're going to let you drive, and then Jazz is going to take the charge, or Tame is going to take the charge, or whoever whoever that, that the final help side defenders, yeah. defender is. And that's why in college it's a lot easier to play defense because that guy's already under the rim. When you're in the NBA, that guy has to be on the other side of the paint. Mm. because so of that then defensive would, three seconds and then it'd be a way easier foul to call because that guy if he did want to come take the charge if Giannis is going to try and come play defense from the backside he has to run into you because he's have to run from the backside of the paint yeah it's a block every time yeah but in in college you're allowed to be in the paint which makes it a lot easier I think they still have a chance at doing those charges but I like what they're doing this year where they're forcing a trap make you throw a pass out of it which is usually going to be a jump pass jump passes are taboo like the worst thing you never can do. leave your feet it's never. my high school coach told me there's a shooting shot never leave your feet yep so once once that guy leaves their feet it, it can it turns into an interception play and it should be guns ablaze the other way so i i like the rule i like i think it's safer for the players i think we we see a lot of injuries with the way that the charge was called um, and also a lot of pissed off people offensive yeah. or defense doesn't really matter fans coaches whatever like I, this is again i saw i wrestled growing up uh, then play and played football. So like pretty high contact sports. I don't know what the hell a foul was like last year and the years prior, like there, someone would go up, someone would hit somebody else and I'll go, there's a whistle. I don't know why. Or even someone defensively, uh, like uh, it's more, I think it's more in the NBA than like the hand check rule, but like someone's dribbling and let's say they're from, I don't know, towards the sideline in the front court and they kind of dribble trying to get over a screen and then somebody kind of touches them and it's a foul and then later there's someone that's playing over a screen that gets like has to you know play really hot like a hip really high into him makes the ball carrier have to like check around and we're not calling that a foul like i legitimately don't know necessarily why fouls are called they just like blow a whistle put a hand up in the air i'm like all right, cool. Good for us. Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I don't even know either. Sometimes. Cool. So. Good to know. Good to know. But to, to, to wrap up my question on the, on the, on the confidence portals, thing. Yeah. yeah. So do, do you think it has anything to do with confidence and like step up in the competition or is it just kind of just a slow start and, and bad luck for right now? They've had a weird year and just, just schedule based. You go from really low level. I would have like what quad four competition and then you go up all the way up to these quad one quad two games then you're back down and then you're back up again so the one thing Lindell Wigginson told me is he actually preferred the conference games than the non-conference games because he could tell where the defense was going to be because they were always in the right spot mm. when you're in these games not to disrespect the grambling states of the world or the Idaho states and Linda ones not always in the right spot defensively doesn't always lead to the best offensive production so part of me says, give it some time. The other thing too, we are seeing some steps in the right direction. Like DePaul is a power five team. Yes, they have one win, but they're a power five team. Uh, I, I think we need to give them a chance to work it out. But 
we should be expecting that, you know, come January 1st, if they're not going to shoot good, then they're probably never going to shoot well. Um, one other question I want to ask you too, is kind of our X factor that was, I mean, he was, he's been big ever since he's been here and we haven't seen him much the last couple of games is Demarion Watson. What's going on with him? I really don't know. I he kind of a non-factor in a lot of these games. I don't think he even played versus, versus, um, well, I don't know. He, did, he didn't play against DePaul. I think he made, maybe had a two minutes DePaul against AM. Or AM, yeah. His, his shooting splits haven't been looking the best. I mean, I don't think he's attempted a three this year. And if, if he has, he's missed it because he's 0% from three. He's 50% from the free throw line, which we just talked about that. That's, he's a guard. You got to, he should be 75, 80%. So is, is, is TJ wanting guys who are more so just dogs in the defensive end and can also score? Because, you know, Watson's game is, I would say, is more defensive. Um, Omaha's right now is probably more defensive. I honestly, I think Pav is taking some of Watson's minutes. He's That's been, my guy, man. That's he's my been guy. playing really well over the last, I'd say, two, three weeks. Gritty, sneaky, athletic. Yes. Just, he's Jim Rat, deceptively quick. He's, you know, he's about 5'11", too, so I'm going to give this out for the you know short kings when it comes to the basketball courts. But he's He seems like he's always in the mix, uh, and it just seems like Watson right now is the odd guy out. Uh and that's nothing against him. We're deep, though. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a good problem to have. That's, yeah, it's nothing against Watson. He, there's only five guys that can be on the court, and three of those guards between Jones, Gilbert, and Lipsy are going to be on the court a lot. And you can't not play Milan at this point. That's so. right. So the, the, the Cyhawk game's coming up, and Iowa's coming off a demoralizing loss to Purdue. Okay, so we're, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're recording this before that game even starts. But demoralizing loss to Purdue. Zach Eady went for a lot. I mean... Guys, are, 30, guys, thirty-four and fourteen, and they Iowa. covered. Yeah, no, and I was losing. You know, they just lost one hundred and eight to ninety to Purdue. They probably 90? ninety. They probably scored ninety. 90. 90. Well, the, how long? How late did they pull Edie? I mean, it was, did he have what? Thirty-four and fourteen. I mean, yeah, no, it's just like he was only playing like till the eight minutes left in the second half, and that's when Iowa kind of ran up the, got their point total up. Yeah. Um, but so I was coming off the the Purdue what? loss, uh, uh, presumably. What do you know about the Hawks? What, what should we expect in the, in the Cyhawks showdown on the 10th? So Ken Palm rankings, Iowa State offense in the in the one, 100s to 150s. Iowa's defense in the 100s to 150s. Their offense, however, is 11, I think. And Iowa State's defense is, 11, is somewhere between 11 and 15. So really contrasting styles here. Uh, if, I, if I'm Iowa State and I had a game plan, I think you got to take away two guys. You got to take away Luca Garza and uh, Chris Murray. Yeah, and the guy who pokes people in the eyeballs of Woodbury. Oh yeah, that <laughs> douchebag. Wood, the old anyway. Uh, but you got to get you got to stop Perkins and you got to stop Peyton Sanford. If I, I saw that Freeman's been coming on for him. Yeah, I mean, but Rob the, Jones is about to. Once again, what he's going to do to Hunter Dickinson, he's going to steal his lunch money, stuff him in a locker, and then steal his girlfriend. That was a Mondo Baycott. I don't think he played Hunter Dickinson. No, I'm saying that's what Big Rob's going to do oh, to going Dickinson. Oh, going to do to Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. Got it, got it. I that's, you're that's what he told Michael Swain. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, that's what Michael Swain. He's going to check him in the lockers. Give me your lunch money, kid. Stuff him in the locker. Then where's your girlfriend? Take her. I would love to see her on camera. <laughs> Just some, just some security camera. Call him, and then call him a nerd as he walks away. Yeah. Rob Jones just bullying some child. Nerd. <laughs> um, nerd. So okay, so wait, wait, I was gonna bring it back. Okay, you go, whatever. Yeah, so I just want to talk about Iowa. So uh, you know, squirrel. So yeah. so in in their two losses, Perkins and Sanford, Peyton Sanford have. Been, He's the Waukee kid, right? Yeah, yeah, they're brothers. So there's Peyton and Price. Yeah, I believe Price, Price comes a, off the bench. Yeah, he's a freshman, and Peyton's a junior. Yeah, he, oh, shooter. Okay. Got it. Sh- Shooter, gritty, stays in the gym type player. Sneaky, athletic, deceptively quick. Yes. But has shot, Peyton has shot just horribly for Iowa State uh, in the past. I think the lights are, are too bright for him. So I anticipate he's going to shoot horribly again because Tame Well, to a be dog. fair, I would imagine that Gabe Kalsher was probably guarding him for the past two years. So if he's a junior and he would have played Iowa, tw- or Iowa State twice and Gabe Kalsher was probably on their best shooter. And I don't think Iowa State has a Gabe Kalsher this year. And maybe there's someone that develops into that, like, Taman seems like he is, I mean, Taman's the best player on the floor. Like doesn't matter what floor he's on. Taman's the best player on the floor, uh, which is cool that he's a sophomore from Ames. You know, he's the, he's the guy that like Mr. Basket, everything, but it doesn't feel like there is a Gabe, but if there were to be, do you see Kurt? Is it Jiggy? Is, is Jiggy kind of the guy that is sort of being the, 
the I think Keyshawn's kind of the I I would lean I would lean Gilbert. I, th- I think okay. Keyshawn was the he was the Mountain West defensive player of the year, I want to say. I could not confirm nor deny that, but based on, based on his ball pressure, what I've been seeing, he picks up the furthest beyond the three point line of most of the Iowa State And that's State just defenders. a that's a confidence to know how much you got in the tank. Yeah, yeah. So who do you? I would imagine that if Sanford's going to be your best offensive threat, and is and who's the other one? Tony Perkins. And is he? So he's the other guard. Yeah, yeah. He's their he's their true point guard. Okay, so Taman and Perkins are going to be the matchup which yeah. if perkins they're about the same stature right like six six one yeah more built like a brick house than they look like running backs more than they look like point right guards. i so, made that setup he was not the defense player there okay good good um so then is shame gilbert then being on sanford do you expect that most of the time like would would you probably if you were coaching this iowa state team is that how you would game plan against iowa honestly i might put milan on them because just Sa- for length yeah because you want Ultimately, you want Sanford to be ran off the three-point line. He's the biggest threat from three. I'd much rather him be shooting twos where he might not be as comfortable than a three-pointer. And Milan's sort of, it feels like Milan's knocks are that he's he's sort of got Labrador feet right now because he's, you know, he's an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid too. And so when he goes getting in one direction, he doesn't quite have the change of direction yet to keep up with the size that he's moving. I think give it a year or two if he's still around. Uh, not making a zillion dollars playing basketball, yeah. then it feels like that's going to be better. But yeah, I would imagine Peyton Sanford's also not, uh, you know, fill in the blank Dame Lillard. Like he's not the greatest athlete on the floor. He's just a sniper of a shooter and can play off the ball a little bit. Yeah, you need to you need to guard him with the guy that you're most confident that can get through the pin downs and the flare screens and and weave through that traffic. It might be Gilbert. It might be Milan. It depends on how you want to get, you know, kill the beast really. Give us a prediction. Well, I think, I think it's, it's in Ames, correct? Mm -hmm. So I think the line opens around five and a half points, probably for Iowa state. We, by most metrics, we are a better team. Uh, I really do think we win by eight plus. Um, Well, Fran, well, Fran, get a technical. (laughs) Yeah, it's, that's a given. So what needs to happen in the game in order for that to happen so either offensively or defensively let's act, let's do this defensively i would so it's sanford and, and perkins those are the two guys you have to shut down so defensively, one of they have to one do? of those two needs to make less than six field goals okay so that's that's a note so one of them one of them could go off and yeah one because one if if one of them goes off but the other one doesn't it it's like neither one of them went off because one of them they that's like played, two they both played bad so yeah. then offensively what does iowa state need to do again iowa's defense it to me it feels like iowa's iowa's basketball style right now for the past couple of years is very hoy ballish which is we're going to try and speed you up to the point where you know we're we're going to hit three or four shots in a row where it's four possessions and it's either going to be drive and kick. You're going to hit a three and then we're going to hit another three and then we're going to get a, you know, elbow jumper and then we're going to get a dunk. And then you're going to feel the pressure of trying to keep up with that. And then you're going to take early shots, get a rebound and a run out. And it feels like that's trying to get someone in a track meet. That was all horrible. It feels like that's the same thing with uh, Fran and this Iowa basketball team. So offensively, what needs to happen in order for Iowa State either to not get caught in that trap because it feels like defense is that part, but to then succeed to the point where like 50 points isn't going to win this game because Iowa's too good offensively. Like as much as you may hate him, Fran can coach offense. So, you know, you're going to probably have to get to what, 75 to win this game. I think if, I think your floor needs to be 70. Yeah. So this game. what's going to get you to what does Iowa State need to do offensively to get to 70, 75 points to win the game? I think if you can keep turnovers to under 10, which is <clears throat> sorry, the big ask, uh, especially with how they've been playing recently. But if you can keep turnovers under 10, you shoot 75% or better from the free throw line because we can't, we can't have the 57, 66% stinkers that we've been putting up from the line. If, if we can, you know, we, how many free throws we miss against Texas A&M? Too many. Was 12? It, was it 11? It was 11 or 12. Yeah, so lost by nine, that, I think. Lost by eight or nine. That's that's 10% of your points if you're scoring 70 points. That's more than 10% of your points just missed mm-hmm. in, on, on free shots. Guaranteed, handed. Yeah. So if you can score 70 points, shoot 75% from the free throw line, and if you can make more than eight threes, I think you win the game. Okay. Miss nine. Miss nine free throws nine versus free throws. A&M. Yeah, I'm not good at math. I think it's nine. Also, I said uh, that the game, the Iowa game was the 10th. It's the 7th. 
So it's yeah, Thursday. It's Thursday. Yeah, yeah. It's so just Thursday. I lied. Um, I'm lying a bunch in this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> just being wrong. It's not lying. It's just yeah. confidently being wrong. Um, I think the the only other thing, so that I guess we didn't get to, is like, what are your general impressions of the team, and has it changed your expectations for the back half of the year? Because going in, we all thought. You know, these guards are going to be dominant. Taman's going to be able to be a facilitator. His sh- his shot's going to be better, but he's not going to have to use it. That hasn't quite happened yet. And then defensively, you, get, or, uh, uh, you know, with the, the front court, you've got Omaha, Trey King, you know, Hassan, or Rob Jones. Uh, those guys are going to be, but it hasn't quite happened yet. But is has there, what are your general impressions of the team? And then regardless of what happens on Thursday, has it changed your expectations of what the future holds for them? I, I still think this team's floor is a sweet 16 uh, at a at bare minimum. I think this seems a sweet 16 just based on what I've seen from other teams in the country based on what I've seen from them. Realistically, we should be eight. No, right now, if you make free throws, you miss lose by four day and M lose by nine to Virginia tech. And they shot the lights out, but you miss free throws in both games. If you just make a few more of those, you're in the game. You're not having to scramble and look for threes at the end of the game. To me, they've exceeded expectations. Granted, the schedule's been a little weak. But to me, I, I like where they're at. The guards are showing big things. I I did not expect Milan to be as good as he is. He's he's silky, man. Mm. He is silky. The more he he the more he gets confident with his role in the offense. Like, because I think there are times when he defers a little too much. And then there's also times when he goes, I'm gonna shoot this son of a bitch. Like when he really has no business doing that. But like once he feel gets more confident in his his role in the offense, like I'm not gonna say it's necessarily Monte and George, but like that's the thing that like Monte and George had going back or back and forth is like when George is feeling it, Monte's like, we're just gonna figure out a way to get it to 31 and let him go to town. And it feels like that could be what if Milan continues to progress between Taman and Milan, that feels like you could that that Dirk fadeaway is the dirtiest shot on the team. That is unguardable. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, like you said, they just need to find ways to get him the ball. I'd like to see him catching more in, around, in and around the block. He's doing a lot of his work kind of mid-post, three-point line. The closer you are to the basket, the higher percentage shots you're going to be. I know he was he was like three for 10 against DePaul. If we can, if we can bump that number to maybe five for 10 in a game like that and even come conference play, I think we're in a great spot. Got anything else you like to talk about uh, basketball-wise? No, I don't think so. Uh, <clears throat> beat on the street is that you are a Golden Bachelor fan. Just a tad. I'm out. I'm out. Y- okay. Y'all just have this conversation for the rest. We'll see you, Jeff. Um, you're how many episodes in? So, uh, this, the, it's already concluded. I've already, I've already watched the entire Only season. Got, I got through two. Okay. What are your thoughts so far on, on, on the, the Golden Bachelor? Before I say it, do you know he's a Hawkeye fan? No. Okay. We'll continue. What What... what what was your thoughts on him uh, prior to... Do we to have him? to keep talking we about We do. Okay. We do. What Damn are your man. thoughts on him prior to, to me revealing that fact to you? It seems like a nice guy, you know. Just like every every Iowa citizen gets up every day, puts his hearing aids in. Um, <laughs> but... Sorry, I had to. Touche. Uh, but... I, I think he's a nice guy. I mean, he, overall, he just seems pretty stand-up individual. Uh I think it's a little awkward for him because he's kind of out of the game a little bit. But. Who's your uh, Who's your favorite Golden Bachelorette thus far? I forgot her name. Was it Juliet? No, Juliana was. She she was she's she, not there in the final three, so I don't know who you're talking about. Sorry, I just ruined it for you. They <laughs> they showed they showed a, a video and it, it kind of spoiled like my thoughts on the show. It was like you know this girl clearly makes it a little bit further than I thought she would, and there's there's like a diner scene. And there's like this big Broadway number that they do. I liked her the best. I don't know if I, I think you're talking about Teresa. Yes. Okay. That girl. Okay. Um, you'll learn to dislike Teresa as the season goes on. Damn it. You'll learn to dislike uh, Gary as the season goes on too. He is uh, he's scummy. I thought the same thing too, though. I thought the same thing initially. Oh, yeah, great guy, salt of the earth, human. Golden Fox. Dude is he's a scum. He's first he's a hawk fan, so he's a scum. Oh, yeah. Second you know uh, what what they're talking about him on you know all the tabloids about you know what's really going on oh he hasn't just been in no relationship since his wife died no he was dating a girl like 15 years younger than him splitting bills that's, with her that's still 55 right like isn't he 70 but he was he was dating her a month after his wife died 
That's so fucked yeah, up. That's, that's kind of that's kind of shady, but like I, I mean, he's scum. How, how he's old scum. was he when his wife died? Um, could, that I don't know. Could the girlfriend use her qualified retirement dollars yet at fifty nine and a half when he started dating? I don't her? think so because this girl was like a hostess or something at a restaurant that he owned. I believe it's Tiger Woods syndrome. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Old DiCaprio action. Yeah, so he's scum. He's scum though. Um. He gets down to the final two, doesn't pick the one that America wanted him to pick. That's he, how it always happens. Script writers, man. The writers, yeah, he, the writers know how to hook you on the show. Yeah, he he picks. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna ruin it for you, but just someone that everyone's like, "What are you doing, Gary?" But it's good because then the girl he doesn't choose, the people are saying she's first line to be the Golden Bachelorette, okay. which is great. I mean, she has been, you know, she's gone through heartbreak. She's gone through multiple divorces. No one has. She says that no one chooses her. She's toxic. She's not toxic, dude. She's fun. She's fun. <laughs> Multiple divorces is not toxic. It's not. Oh, it's not. Boy. Dude, it's don't. Okay. 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 You know, I, for those, that's a sales pitch for the Golden Bachelor. If anybody hasn't watched it yet, they are just hook, line and sinker in now. But just pay attention to, you know, you know, I guess if you're going to watch, finish watching. I will. That's what I'm saying. I, I think the girl who comes, actually the girl who comes in third. I thought, you know, her and the girl who comes in second should, should the top two. The, the term girl, like these women are Ladies, in their yeah. 60s the and woman. 70s, yes? Yeah, world. Yeah. yeah. I, I say girls because Bachelorette is typically these girls who want to yeah, yeah. be Instagram famous. And, and they're not there for love, you know. Golden Bachelor, they're for love. Until I heard the story about Gary and then the lady he chooses. What like, a dick. You guys are both just, you know, go off, ride in the sunset and... Yeah. Is, is there any math to how often, I mean, I know this is the first Golden Bachelor, but how often do they actually make it as a couple? I'm guessing Gary and this lady will because they got, a, you know, 15 years left. So <laughs> I, hope, I hope that they do. So what are you like two minute warning them right now? <laughs> yeah. So I, so I hope that they, I hope that they make it till the end. Um, and they've, they've both been through, you know, heartache and, you know, they're, they're both to the age where. <laughs> What? There's not a lot of time left. <laughs> just, there's a countdown clock. Oh, okay, so oh, we'll, we'll wrap dark, it up. But we, we weren't, you know, we weren't going down the bat, the Golden Bachelorette um, path on purpose. But you know, I get riled up, and, and there we go, Grand Scribes. So we'll wrap, we'll wrap that up. So thanks for joining us this week, though, Nate. We'll talk more basketball. You Hopefully, know. more Bachelor too. This was, I like that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll check in if, if you continue watching. We'll check in. I'll, I'll get you, you know, an updated prognosis and thoughts on. And all that too, I'll catch so. up. I'll catch okay. up. Okay. Well, well, we'll let you go. We'll let you go tonight if you don't watch another episode. So, I mean, I got nothing to do. I'm not watching that Monday Night Football game. All right. Hey, man. Thanks again for joining us. We'll uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. How long was that, Aiden? Grant, you your your one final line. The the readers or the listeners need to know. Oh, we're still on. That was our Goldfinch Athletics interview of the week, and thank you to all of our, all of our loyal listeners uh, who are still listening. And remember. Uh, remember, adopt, don't shop.